The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. This is James Loving, your host of Loving That Sports Talk. This is a beautiful show, you know. Uh, to get two um, guys that, you know, that great friends and plays, you know, each other and you know, um, always, you know, on my show, but uh, the University of Wyoming, former NBA player, Reggie Slade. You there, Reg? I'm here. I'm not only am I feeling the love today, I'm, I'm around a lot of good news. <laughs> uh, Reg, you know, every time I go out, I go to these events, and like I tell you, it's always good. Well, I know you're from Wyoming, University of Wyoming, but, you know, to hear your name and hear the type of person you are, and I met this gentleman, uh, I don't know about his golf game, Reggie, but he's a great guy. <laughs> uh, everybody want to introduce um, former NBA player Cliff Levinson. You know, Cliff? I am here in the flesh. Oh! <laughs> 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 well, you know, Cliff, uh, since we all here, you know, we didn't get to talk that much, but go ahead and give me a story about Reggie Slater for me. Go ahead. <laughs> well, you know what? I first met, met Reggie. I was, um, I, you know, I was my last, basically my last year of playing NBA ball. He was uh, on the team with me. But we first met in summer league um, out in Utah. Well, uh, on the summer league with Denver Nuggets. And he was trying out for the team. And I was just coming back from a back surgery. And, and we hit it off pretty good. And then when we, when we got to training camp, you know, it was, it was, it was good because we had a lot of young guys and a lot of guys who were competitive. And, you know, I would say Reggie's probably one of the most competitive guys that I've played with when it came down to, you know, wanting to just do whatever he had to do to get on that floor. He's going to do what he got to do to get on that floor. That's what I liked about the brother. All right, Reg. Well, go ahead, Bob Cliff. Go ahead, Reg. Well, here, here's the deal. Uh, as Cliff said, it was uh, my rookie year, and it was in the latter stages of Cliff's uh, career. Uh, he was still playing. And one advantage, one huge advantage that Cliff had over everybody was experience. And if you want to learn from somebody, you learn from somebody that's been through the ropes. So, you know, that, one of the things I appreciate about Cliff, aside from his positive attitude, is, you know, if I had a question for the brother, he was always willing to open up and give me an answer, and the right answer. And in that, uh, you know, sometimes you hear things and it's difficult, but Cliff, had already established himself and his character was such that he was saying, look, uh, there's no there's no success without struggle. And you as a rookie, you're going to have to do all the extra things that nobody else wants to do, and you're on a, a make-good contract, so you're going to have to do a little bit more. But that's all right. 
because there's news at the end of the tunnel, and it's good news. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I had to respect Cliff for that because he gave me the real. He was paid a hundred with me, uh, but he didn't. He didn't sugarcoat anything. So I've That's always right. respected that man. Well, I'm, I'm gonna start off with the question. I'm gonna start with you, Cliff, and Reggie, the uh, rookie now. But uh, I kind of like what Reggie was saying, um, Cliff. I'm trying to explain more on that, you know, because when I went to the Eagles, Cliff was that guy, you know, you know, because I was a receiver that brought you in, and you know, he helped out the rookies. How is that, um, Cliff? That when guys come in, you know, they're kind of scared, and you know, the other guys like, man, this young guy gonna take my place. You know, I might get cut. How is that feeling? That the, like you really said, you came and. You helped them out. You know, is there a lot of people out there that does that? Well, most guys, I'm going to tell you something. I mean, I've had my share of, <laughs> I mean, not really deceiving guys, but making sure the playing field wasn't so even, you know. And back in my younger young, my younger days, I would, you know, the rookies come in, I'd take them out to the club, hang out all night with them, and, I'll disappear while they're still hanging. And then practice <laughs> the next morning, give it to them. You know, but at this point in my career, I was, I, was, I was content and I was established and I knew what I could do. And I was about helping the team be better. Not just me, the team. And, you know, playing with Chicago Bulls and coming off the championships with them, it was, I understood it was more about the team. So when young guys came in, I was trying to help them out as much as I could so they can understand what they need to do to be professional and stay in it long for the long term. Not just come in for a year and two and, 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 and then be gone. No, but help them understand how to stay in the league. You know, Reggie played overseas and he came back from overseas and it was like, you know, a little bit different when you come back home. You know, you got a, you got a lot of guys who cutthroat and they don't give a hoot about you because basically they got to put food on their table. And with me, I always try to be real with guys and tell guys exactly how it was. And, and it didn't matter at that point what it was about. It was about the team. And I wanted, to, I wanted us to have the best team possible to go to the playoffs because I know in the playoffs, that's where everyone makes their, their contribution on the, on the game and also establish themselves in NBA because everybody watches the playoffs and that's how you get your next contract. Yep. Red, Red, kind of feed off that and tell how, how did you latch on the cliff, you know, to see that he was that guy to help you? And, you know, and was there any rookies? I know when I was the Eagles, there were rookies that was like cutthroat, like Cliff was saying. That the rookies like, hey, I need to make this team. I'm not going to tell you to play. Kind of feed off that, Red. Well, uh, my rookie year, I was, uh, I was a rookie with a guy named Jalen Rose. And Jalen has, Jalen established himself not only in the NBA, but also, but also, you know, post NBA, and he's done very well for himself. Uh, uh, so, so it, it, it was, it was always like I said, I was always grateful to 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 uh, have a mentor like Cliff in there. But in the end, I knew that I had to listen up and and and, and do as much as I could to stay as long as I. Could in that in that in that realm. Well, guys, um, I want to get questions too because my boy lighting up today about questions. So um, I'll start off with you, Reggie, and a question for you, Cliff. I'm thinking you can kind of um, go with the question after Reggie, Cliff. Um, a question from a guy named Derek from Idaho, Reggie. He say, "How is it when you play with different teams? When you leave your players, it's like a family. Do you miss them? And then we have to start with new players 
he starts that family over. Well, here's the deal. Cliff can attest to this, and, and even more so, because he has a longer history of going into the playoffs than I have. You're entering in a situation where you spend the summertime with some of these guys, the fall, winter, and, and going into the spring. So you're establishing a connection over a period of nine months. You get to know these guys in and out, and probably more information that you want. So inadvertently or inadvertently, they do become family. And Cliff, right now, I haven't seen Cliff in probably over 10 years, but I am positive that if I walked into that man's door right now, he would receive me with open arms and vice versa. So there is a family connection in there for sure. And when you do go to a new team, you know, you get in where you fit in. Everybody everybody has their part to play, their role to play. And, you know, not everybody can be the alpha, certainly. Uh, you don't want to be the baby either. But, 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 but uh, it's, a, it's a role of, of professional, as Cliff has reiterated a few minutes ago. And everybody has their part to play. And uh, as long as you're a professional, you know, you'll fit in in some capacity. Uh, so that's, that's good you with there because this question, I'll look through it for Cliff. Um, this question is from Shannon, I think it's a guy or girl, from Dubuque, Iowa. Um, the question is, Cliff, how were you able to conduct yourself off the court where you never got you in trouble because I've never heard about you getting in trouble and you were always on the championship team and in the eye of the public? Well, you know what, though? What a lot of these guys don't understand and realize is they're a target. Even though they're a celebrity and everybody loves them, there's always that one person looking to bring them down. So you always got to watch what situation you're in and who you're around. You, you, you surround yourself with good. Well, go ahead and finish it on what you're trying to say, Rez. Well, I, I think what Cliff is alluding to is you always have to be aware of your surroundings. That's something that we're taught as little kids, to always know where you're at. And because you have a, uh, because you're, more people know who you are and there's a larger, uh, larger possibility that people will want to, 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 people are attracted to power. And you're in a powerful position when you're in the NBA. And some people do not know how to handle power. And they can possibly put you in positions that will be, uh, negative, not just towards what you're doing presently. But in the future as well. So telling that to a young 20, 22-year-old person who's just been put in this situation, it, it, it's hard sometimes for that person to digest. But in the end, as Cliff, I believe, is referring to, is you always have to have your, uh, uh, your you have to always have to be aware of your surroundings and always be aware of who you are around and that you have to take care of yourself and put yourself in the best position in order to prosper. And that's part of being professional that Cliff was talking about earlier. I don't know if we got Cliff back on. Do we? Uh, oh, yeah. But we, we'll get him back on after we work, Rez. But you said a good thing, Rez. And I kind of want, you know, both. I'm talking some back with Cliff, too. But to uh, you, Rez, you know how we were in college? You know, we did some things that, you know, was different from what you did in the pro. But like Johnny Football, somebody got on here and asked him, like, well, He's a young kid. What he's doing, college, it's okay for him to do it in a pro. You know, I'm talking about off the field antic. But like Cliff was saying, you know, you're always somebody, and you were saying is gonna try and do something. Do you feel 
you can still maintain that same awesome feel what you did in college rest. Uh, I think he should change himself completely. I'm joking. <laughs> no, I think that that, that question was ad, actually posed to Magic Johnson. And, uh, you know, he, he, he simply uh, made a comment of, you know, he's got to produce. It doesn't matter whether this guy uh, 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 sleeps 13, 14, 15 hours or if he sleeps four to five hours. As long as when the lights come on, He's able to step up to the challenge and produce. That's what uh, they're looking for. They're looking for production. They did not invest all that money in that uh, gentleman uh, uh, for him not to produce. That's what they're looking for. If, if, if going out and, and uh, relieving a little stress uh, by the way he's doing it helps him, then so be it. And perhaps Cliff can attest to this. Uh, from what I know, uh, back in the Jordan days, it was not unusual for him to be in Vegas on off days, gamble, and uh, to, to as, a, as a type of stress reliever. But when game time came, he always produced. Uh, you know, we have different ways of relaxing and letting ourselves vent in order to be prepared for when uh, this light tar- lights camera action. And maybe this is his way. And until he's proven otherwise, until his formula has proven to be unaffected, let him do what he does. Is, is that kind of what you agree to what I would to say? You talk about practice. You mean practice? I mean, some people just don't get at all the practice. Some people say practice makes perfect, you know. So if you said different people are different reds that they can, you know, like like um, Dennis Rodman, you know, Dennis Rodman, but in the game time, he exploded. Is that what you're saying, Rest? No, well, what, what I'm saying is that I think you have to have repetition, not only for yourself, but also for your teammates. So you've right. got to have practice. But, but, but I don't want that to be confused with, if he has the ability to give 100% of practice and still go out and do all these extracurricular activities while performing on the court at game okay. time, then go ahead and do it. But if you have to, if one of, that, one of the two have to suffer, it can't be practice. You know what I mean? Because in practice, not only are you getting your timing, your coordination down, but your teammates, because you're such a part of a larger team, they're getting used to you and what you will and what not will not do. So practice is very important. I see what you're saying. I understand. Now, you're saying we get 100% practice and then get 100 in the game, then when he go out into Vegas, and that's okay, you know? Work hard, you play hard. This guy's working hard to get to a position that he is right now, so he deserves to see the light at the end of the uh, tunnel. But providing he can do that if if he produces when the when the when the lights are on. You know? Magic Johnson, again, if my history shows correct, he was not afraid of going out and kicking it at the clubs at night. But the man has five championships. Michael Jordan was not afraid of going to Vegas, hanging out with his friends and enjoying himself. But the man has six championships. As long as you can perform, and there's not a lot of people that are cut from that cloth. As long as you can perform uh, when the camera's on, it doesn't matter whether you sleep for four hours or, or 20 hours. The key is that your time is valuable. And when the time for you to produce is on, you're producing. Uh, well, shouldn't, shouldn't two say, you know, I know if I was a rookie, uh, Coming in, 
you know, the, the veteran player, like, hey, we're proving, you know, it's okay for us to go. You think rookies should change it and not try to be like the veterans, and you know, because you have to go out there and prove yourself. Just because you got that um, number one draft money and status, you still have to prove yourself to be able to go out and do that, right? Absolutely. I absolutely uh, believe in that. You know, we went through that as freshmen in high school. We went through that as freshmen in college. And when you step into the professional rankings, there is nothing else like the experience of playing in a professional game. There is so much competition. There is so much pressure. There are so many obstacles that you had to go through and conquer in order to be at that position. There is nothing else to, to be like that. I, th- I think back to my freshman year. I'm sorry, my rookie year, when Cliff was on the team, and we were playing in, I think it was New York, and I was fortunate enough to get in the game and uh, a critical part of the game, and the crowd was just on me like white on white. I mean, they were just yelling and screaming, and uh, I did something that was not conducive to the game plan, and you know, a timeout was immediately called, and the Ken Bay Mutombo, Shoes my butt up and down, like I, you know, like I just stole something. And at the end of the conversation, I remember him saying, "Dude, this is the big leagues now. You're not in college. There's a lot more riding on these games than you know what you're used to." So you know, after I felt sorry for myself, I had to mentally put myself in a position to be aware that you know he's right. You know, this I'm, uh, you know, when you're in the NBA, you're you're one of I think it's 400 or 420 guys that are the best-conditioned athletes in the world. Best-conditioned athletes in the world in your sport. And you got people in China and Europe and P-Leagues and all this other stuff, but you're one of 400-plus guys that are chosen and that have earned a spot to perform on NBC, ESPN, TNT. So you've got to put it, and you're getting paid pretty good money for it. So when the lights come on, man, you have better be mentally prepared and ready to go out and go to work. That's what we do, Reg. We're going to take a break. We'll see if we get cut back on. And then uh, we come back, we talk a little bit more. Of, um, and then get a little bit more about you, too, you know? I want to know some more, too, about you, Reg. I want to know. I'm talking about Cliff, man. And Cliff embracing me, taking to his home. That's how I know about those greyhounds he had. And, uh, you know, Cliff was one of those guys that, man, I'll tell you some more stuff about Cliff. But, man, he was a very good guy to talk to, especially starting off. So let's take a break. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with loving that sports talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving, your host loving that sports talk. And uh, this is one of my best shows, you know. You know, the, the, the kids, you know, everybody always gets the email clips that, when is you going to be on? When is Reggie? You know, every time I get Reggie on once a month. So, but then uh-huh. I, I talked to Reggie, told him I talked to you. Reggie lit up. He, he called me every night, Cliff. I had to call a friend and said, um, block his call, please. You know what, though? But it's hard to find guys who are real, who, who are real and positive. Yeah. And, you know, when, when you find those type of guys, you can you 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 gravitate to him. You hold on. And Ray's one of those dudes. I mean, he always been positive. The, the chip. I'm, I'm gonna tell you something. It, when, when we when we went to um, training camp, the chips were stacked up against him. And oh, yeah. I don't know how he did it, but you know what though? He he made it where they turned it around and released some other guys and kept him because because of his positive attitude and his relentlessness. Look, Cliff. Red talked on you. Go ahead, Red. I want to ask Cliff question. Be ready. Go ahead, Reggie. Are you going to say something? No, I was just saying, I mean, I, I was going to elaborate on a different metaphor uh, that Cliff just did. You know, I said, you know, when you're a kid and you have you, you found this ice cream that's really, really good and, and you can share it with your friends, you don't, you, don't not, you don't not tell them about it. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. when we talk about news, what he brings to the table uh, and what he brought to the atmosphere of the ore and to the locker room, the friends always you know, it was, his presence is palpable. And what he brings to the table is very valuable to the team concept and also very valuable for a young person to learn. You've got to stay positive. you got to look on the bright side. That's always, it's never over until, until you win or reach your goal. But that relentlessness that Cliff was talking about earlier, it's not something I made up. It's something that I looked at from older guys and examples that they have put before me. You know, so you know, I always wanted to thank Cliff always being that bright side, even when the chips look down, you know, he's like, look, keep your head up, keep moving forward. If it don't happen for you right here, it'll happen sooner or later for someone else. But it's never going to happen if you give up. So keep your head your head moving forward. And that was something that Cliff always relayed, you know, always. Hey, Reg, kind of... Wow, I, I'm impressed you remember that. Dang, Reg. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember a lot of stuff, dude. I, you know, what I do remember is your boy Dale Ellis, he was so funny. His dad was on the team, too. And I always remember he always wanted to, you know, he played cards a lot. And uh-huh. um, or shot dice or something. 
He was gambling. And I said, man, I don't really know how to gamble. He's like, good. Come on. (laughs) 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 I remember when that sucker hit me a couple of times with that one. That's kind of Man. <laughs> the, the days, the days. <laughs> hey, hey, Cliff, you said the thing, though. I want to get in and about Reg. I want you to talk more than Reg. Because Reggie talked about you when we, you, we had lost you. But, you know, I called Reg up, and um, out of the blue, like, whatever you need, love, man, I got you. Then when I sat there with you, Cliff, you didn't blink an eye when I asked you to do it. You didn't know if I knew Reggie yet until, but he was like, well, I got you, whatever, give me your number. That's the kind of thing that I feel when I when I spoke to you about and mentioned Reds and Reds mentioned you. Y'all got this closeness and like it's like the Reds said, you can call up somebody and talk to them in years and and that's what I feel with you two. So much energy right now, you know. Go ahead and talk about that more, Cliff. Well, you know what? When when you approach me about the show, I mean, I'm I'm always about I'm always about helping helping uh, another guy out. You know, you said you had an internet show. You want to talk to me about basketball. And then when you when you said you knew Reggie Slater, when you said you knew Reggie Slater, that right there told me that you were a good dude because Reggie has a lot of good people around him, and he you know he he always is, is marching on. So when he said he was your, you guys are friends, I said no problem. Here's my number. You know, a lot of times I don't give everybody my number, but hey, I felt I felt a vibe from you that you were a good person and you you you're about the right. You're about trying to 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 help things. Be progressive, opposed to uh, keeping things suppressed, and I, and I like that about you. Ready? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Red. Tell about you know when I mentioned Cliff to you. Uh, Red just lit up, you know, and just the conversation. Well, Cliff, again, man, Cliff is. Um, I mean, not only did I get a chance to play with him, but I got a chance to watch him as a. I got to play with him as a teammate, but I got to watch. For a number of years as a fan, and you know when you meet people that have been where you want to be, and when you meet them and you are impressed in that they have opened up their arms and and accepted you as one of your own. Once you've been baptized by fire, by the way, I still remember that <laughs> old Brooks thing. It wasn't no bowl of cherries to go through. This sucker was having me do everything. But once you're a part of that group and you're accepted in there, man, dude, that, that man. I, I, it's very hard for me to actually describe that in words. And, but but I do know this. Again, I, I said it a few minutes ago. Once I was in and I was around Cliff and some of these other guys that I was fortunate to know, you know, I, 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 you get to know the real person. And you get to know that, you get to know that hey, man, uh, news is always full of – Cliff is always – good news because he's always got some positive to say. But once you get to go through that eight, nine-month period of being around this gentleman – you say, hey, he has his down days, too. Hell, I thought he had good days all the time, and nothing but good days. But it's, it, 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 what I found through Cliff is that, you know, we all, we all have similar setbacks. It's how we react to those setbacks. That is what differentiates productive people to, uh, 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 compared to people that are unproductive or are always looking down. Cliff can have some bad stuff happen to him, but I don't think you'd even know because he's got too much good stuff going <laughs> to even know about that. You know. <laughs> well, you, you mean, know what? One thing I learned, um, I learned, I learned from my high school coach. He said, you know, you, you know, there's 
there's two kind of people. There's people who look at things that can be and things that people look at people look at that should have been. I always looked at what could be. Uh, you know, um, when when something happens, okay, what can I do to make it where it can happen? Opposed to, well, it's going to happen. I'm a, you know, whatever is going to happen. Now, I was always looking at the positive. I've always been a positive, you know, person, and and I was always taught for every negative, you put two positive, and you stay ahead all the time. Yep. 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 I actually made a post on a Facebook post just recently, and I said, you know what? You need to you need to set your goals based on your imagination as opposed to your memory, because your memory yep. is something that you've already done. Your imagination is, is something that you, you thought up that can be. If you thought about it, you just got to figure out how to do it. There you, you go. Always think about what you've already done because it's already been done. Let's do something new. Let's do something positive. Let's do something that's moving forward. Well, you know, I, I, I Jane, I was listening to you guys when you were talking about the practice. Um, you know, guys that are, who don't like to practice or guys who who practice and hang out and all stuff. I'm, I, I was one of those guys, I practiced hard, I played hard, and I enjoyed myself even harder. <laughs> <laughs> and, but one thing I understood was where to draw the line. I understood I can party this much, but i got to make sure I'm able to make sure I handle my, the first part, which is my, my professional basketball skills. You know, um, I played on a team. I mean, I played with guys, some of the greats in the game. I played with Isaiah Thomas, Bill Lambeer, um, uh, Vinny Johnson, John Long, Kelly Chapuka, Dominique Wilkins, Moses Malone, um, Reggie Theus, Doc Rivers, Spud Webb, Kevin Willis, Jordan, Pippen, Cartwright, um, Horace Grant, Dikembe Mutombo, Jalen Rose, Robert Pack, you know, Reggie Slater. One thing that out of all those teams that I played with, there were two teams that I played with that we practiced harder than we played. And that was the Denver Nuggets and the Chicago Bulls. You know, the uh, but my favorite team was the 87 Hawks because we were a family. We were like brothers. And, we were like brothers. We, we did everything together. That was my favorite team. We didn't always practice hard. I mean, I mean, we competitive, but, but a lot of the guys who played minutes didn't practice all the time. So the teams that I, that I played with that, I, that practiced hard every day, you know, Jordan would play 38 minutes, 40 minutes, and come the next day and give you the business. That gave me a newfound respect of you practice harder than you play. And every guy who's talking about, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a game time player. No, I played with the best, best guy who played the game. He practiced hard and he played harder. Those guys I give my ultimate respect for. When we, when we was with the Denver Nuggets, I mean, guys that played the night before and then they, we come the next day, we were going at it. I mean, the second group, we were going at the first group every day. And that's what made the team stronger. When you got guys who are pushing the first group, that makes the whole team stronger because no one knows your plays like your own, like your own players know your plays. And if we play them hard and then we know the plays, when we go to play the games, it becomes a lot easier. Guys yep. do things a lot, lot easier because they don't have that guy who knows exactly what they're going to do. They're guessing. So, you know, I'm a firm believer. You've got to practice. You've got to practice as a team. 
You know, guys have to be in unison when they get on that floor because once you're out of sync on that floor, everybody looks bad. Reggie, you want to go off her? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, first thing I start thinking about when he said, uh, when Cliff said playing hard in practice, I played with Minnesota uh, for a year, a little over a year, and, and I was uh, there with Kevin Garnett. And that sucker there, holy cow, you had to bring your hard hat to practice because you never knew when you might get in a fight, and that's dead serious. Them was, <laughs> they would bring it at practice, and you really you could not show any sign of weakness. It was like going to the jungle. I've seen several guys get, you know, there was some blood in the water. They got attacked. They got exposed. And, you know, they had to either toughen up and get with the group or you know, get set to the wayside, you know. If we get on that bus, and I'm sure Cliff knows about when you get on that bus when you're traveling and guys are unwinding, they're cracking jokes at the back of the bus. And you oh, don't yeah. want to be no part of it. You're in the very front by the coaches where there's security. But <laughs> 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 you didn't bring that practice. You don't want that feeling. You know what I mean? So you had to have your chest out, hard hat on, uh, you know, the, the, the time that I was in Minnesota. And, but I respect that. And that was one, one of my best years. I loved it over there. Let me let me ask you guys this, Cliff and Red. Um, for younger people out there, because I like to talk to your audience um, and get them, like, the, how they can do things and get better. But since you go on there, like you say, um, Red, you play against Matumbo and, and Garnett and, and – um, and um, Cliff, you say you play with Jordan and all these. When you go out there as a young guy and a rookie, should you be cocky? Because, I mean, should you be saying, hey, I'm good, you know, I'm better like them? Or should you go out there and just, you know, you know what I mean? How should you go out there? Well, you know what, though? First thing, one thing I've always just taught, respect your elders. Okay. You don't come in cocky and that you know the, the, you're the best thing since sliced bread. Even if you do, you, you play, you, you be humble because – a lot of these guys have been where you're trying to go. And you can learn a lot in basketball when you close your mouth and open your ears up. And that's what a lot of these young guys don't understand nowadays is they feel that, hey, the game is me. And it's, the game is going to be far past you because, believe you me, in five, ten years, the game going to keep going while you stop. And, and all the people you did not respect – and as you get older, you're going to want that respect. You don't, you're not going to get that respect. And that's my, my, my biggest thing with, um, with Allen Iverson. You know, a lot of times, you know, when, at the end of his career, he felt everybody was disrespecting him. Well, you know, you came in the league disrespecting everybody, so how are you going to get respect if you don't give respect? And, and, and that's why the cockiness I tell all these young guys is, you know what, check that at the door because, you know what, though, it don't make a difference. When you get on that court, it's about what you know and who you know on that floor to make you look good because if you cocky, you come in there cocky and you think you better than everybody, believe you me, somebody on that team is going to show you that you're really not that good and they will expose you. They will leave you out there hanging to dry. You always need your teammates to have your back. And that's why you, you don't go in cocky. You go in with an with understanding is I'm going to respect the game, respect the players, and that's where you're going to get – those are the guys who do well. Reggie? Reggie, huh? You never answered. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'm just, I'm just listening to Cliff, man, because he's been there and done that. He's been part of some championship teams and done some amazing things. And he's absolutely right. Uh, because the moment you start thinking that you're bigger than the game of basketball, you've got the wrong attitude already. Because as Cliff said, five, ten years, it's going to pass you up. 
And the problem with a lot of these guys that are, are hot right now is that as hungry as they were and as desperate as they were to be a part of the NFL, NBA, MLB, and all those things that they were doing to get to that position, once they got there, they got fat and got satisfied because they made it. I, you never really make it because success is a direction, not a destination. You have to do, as Cliff was talking about, and these big players, guys that have achieved all these incredible accomplishments, they kept that same frame of mind. They kept working. They kept staying home, being hungry. They kept, even when they were down, looking on the bright side of things because they know that the people that are successful can outlast any kind of bad thing. It's just a mad, it's just a waiting game. And they kept moving forward and kept moving forward. And that's what separates them from the rest of these guys. But if you come into the league thinking you already know this, you're going to get trampled. You're going to get run over. In a big way. You know what, Red? Chris said a good thing. I'm just sitting there thinking. I almost dropped my jaw. I went into the Eagles and I thought I was cocky. And I got slapped with my by Andre Waters. I don't know y'all know him, but the same. <laughs> that, he's like, and like Chris say, you know, the, the team turned on me, the defense players, and, and I, I should have came in and shut my mouth, but it took, you know, Mike Quick and Chris Carter, you know, to get them off me. But uh, <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good lesson, though, Cliff, because, I mean, everybody like Eric, I don't know, all the DBs, even Coach Jeff Fisher was like, get him. They, I was a target because I came in there trying to be cocky, and I didn't mm-hmm. know no better, you know. I came from Wyoming, and you know, Reggie, we thought we was it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But you, you had a good thing, though, and, and I think the young kids can learn that because, you know, you look at this one guy, Johnny Football, guy he's cocky. You know, but it, you know what, though? It's a fine line between cockiness and confidence. Yep. It's a yep. very fine line. Explain that, when you got people starting to turn their back on you, you're being cocky. When you got people reaching out trying to help you, that means you're confident and they believe in you. But isn't your cockiness confidence? Isn't that, the, I mean, almost the same to say, well, I'm cocky because I'm confident I'm good. You know, I, I can beat this guy in one-on-one. Or, you know, isn't that the Love, same? Though? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. If I'm on a team and I have a leader, I would rather that leader be confident, almost to the point of cockiness, into every game that he's going to go out there and bust his butt as opposed to an indecisive leader. True. That standpoint, you know. If if Cliff was mentoring me, and he was when I was asking him questions, and he was indecisive, I would respect him less than what actually happened, which was Cliff gave clear, direct instructions, almost like a book of how to be a professional and how to last in this league. And it started off with hard work and positive outlook on things. Being up that Cliff. Well, you know what? Like I said, it's that that, that fine line. It's, it's a very fine line. You know, a lot of people say Jordan was arrogant. Jordan is full of himself. No, Jordan wasn't full of himself. He wasn't arrogant. He was confident in what he wanted to do, what he wanted to accomplish. He was confident in his teammates to follow him to to where he need where he needed to go. You know, I'm gonna take you guys to where you want to where we're trying to go. But you guys got to be ready. If I need your help to be there for me. And if you're not there for me, I'm going to let you know, and, I, and, and I'm going to make some changes because I need guys who are going to be in the, in the trenches with me, and they're with me. You know, that's a, that's a leader who's telling you exactly what he wants from you. 
and he knows he can do anything, but he needs his teammates to have his back. But also, he's going to take his team to the next level. You know, and, and like I said, I respect Jordan tremendously. You know, uh, with, with with how he, how his whole persona was when he played. You know, he had that invincibility about him. That's what made everyone feared him, but respected him. You know, same thing with with, with Dominic Wilkins. Wilkins, Dominic had a, had a fearness about himself when he walked. When he came on the court, you're like, "Damn, I'm Dominic." Okay, <laughs> you know, it, it, and it was, it, and he knew that he going he's gonna go this direction, and he's only gonna go that direction. But you're not gonna stop him from going that direction. And he knew how to get there, and he would tell you, "You ain't better than me. I'm gonna beat you." Bird was another guy who I respected to the utmost because Bird would tell you, "I'm gonna shoot this shot right here off the glass on the right side." <laughs> and make it. And he'd be like, the hell if you are. You chase him all over, and next thing you look up, you're like, oh, no, he's shooting, he's shooting that shot. Those are confident guys. It wouldn't, you know, like I said, just a borderline cockiness, confident. You know, those are the guys that you want to follow. You want to be on that, you want to be on, on his team. You know, Isaiah Thomas is the same way. Isaiah was a little pistol. You know, um, he was one of those guys that he'd get in anybody's face and, and, and challenge you any time in any given place. You know, I, I remember one time we was on the floor, my my rookie year, we was playing against um, the Washington Wizards, which is the bullet. Well, the bullet was the bullets back then, but it's Washington Wizards. Rick Mahorn and Jeff Rulin, they were separating guys, shoulder blades. The guards of uh, Frank Johnson would run them real hard and run them into that pick, and just knock them out. Well, I let Isaiah get hit by uh, uh, Rick Mahorn's pick. Middle of the game, he ran up behind me and, and ran up in my face and grabbed me in my chest. Said, "You ever let that happen again to me again? I will make sure you're not on this team. I'll make sure you're not on this floor." And that right there sent a message to me. You know, he's our leader. I cannot leave my leader like that. He was confident and cocky because he knew what he needed to do for our team. He would take our team to another level, but we can't do. I could. We, he could do that if he was hurt, and I could not never let him get hurt like that again. So like I said, I mean, I played with some some arrogant, confident guys, but it, it, like I said, it was a difference between co- confidence and cocky cockiness. It was a, it was a fine line, and they walked that line. They walked that line. They played on it sometimes, you know, on the uh, on the cocky side, but but still, they understood where to walk it. Let me ask you guys this: You said something good, Cliff. Uh, you raised you out, so you took the. Uh, we said that leader. Who was your leader the teams you played with, Red, and you, Cliff? Because the leader, there always got to be that guy that's going to yell and kick. Because the leader of us was Reggie White with the Eagles. Who was that leader that got everybody that, when he talked, everybody listened? Who was that leader y'all played for? You want to start, Red? Uh, it depends on what team. Uh, uh, you know, was, I played was, for several teams. Uh, probably, like three teams and Cliff played with more people than I did, more famous people. So it was probably a better question posted to him. Well, the, the, like I tell you, the, the the two guys for the Pistons was Bill Lambeer and Isaiah Thomas. Um, for the Atlanta Hawks, it was Doc Rivers, Dominic Wilkins, Moses Malone. For the Bulls, it was Michael Jordan, Bill Cartwright, and then you know for uh, Denver Nuggets, it was <clears throat> it was basically um, um, Matumbo. Uh, you know, he was basically the face of the team. He's our leader. He spoke up, and and then also Brian Stiff. 
Yeah, be still. You couldn't understand anything that Kimbe was saying sometimes, though. Yeah, he couldn't understand it, but you know, he was, but he, but he would tell, he'd be talking, he'd be like, "Okay, I listen oh, yeah. to what he's saying." <laughs> <laughs> After he finished talking, he gives some, you know, applause. And the guys looking at each other, got to look in their eye, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah." And the guys in the back say, "What do you say?" <laughs> Hey, Reg, question for you. You uh-huh. remember Mike Moog? Uh, am I still friends with him? Uh, no, I so said you remember Mike Moog. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm gonna tell, let me tell you this story. Let me tell you this story. <laughs> this is my first year with, with Denver, and, you know, we was, it was pregame. We were going through pregame. And I was sitting up there listening to everything, and then I heard Mike Moog in the background. Make a, I look back, yeah. and I'm like, what the hell? Everybody just still just, you know, is focusing on what's going on. He did it again. I look back and I'm like, what the hell going on with that? After the meeting, everybody said, you know what, though? That's Mike Moog. He, he has Tourette's, and he'll go off in a rant in a minute. Everybody looking at me like, they, and they were looking at me like, come on, man. Don't fall out laughing. But I was serious. I didn't know what the hell was going on behind me. He was like going off. I'm like, I'm like oh, my gosh. And that right there. That right there, when when he did that, and everybody stayed focused on what was going on, that showed me we had we had a team that's pretty focused on what we wanted to do, what we wanted to accomplish. After after that first incident, I don't pay, pay attention to it no more. But it, it shocked the hell out of me the first time I heard it. I'm like, what the hell was this? I never heard <laughs> nothing like that in my life. <laughs> well, guys, yeah, yeah. you got to be thinking about, man. And I know that's certain things we're supposed to talk about, and, and certain things, you know. Uh, but I remember, Cliff, one of the things I remember was Mahmoud would stay in the gym forever, taking shots. Yep. He had that Tourette's deal, and if the ball wouldn't go through the net a certain way, he considered that a miss. And I remember he yeah. and Dale Ellis and Brian Sipple played these horse games, and the fluidity that Mahmoud had when he shot compared to the struggling, I would say, you know, when they're at half court darn near, taking shots, it, it amazed me. I mean that man. He was such. He was. I don't know if it was the Tourette or his personal dedication, but you know he talked to these young guys about being successful, and they kind of want to be successful in sports. You know they'll put in thirty minutes a day or an hour or something. It makes me think of that incident because these guys were in the pros and they were putting hours after practice and before practice, dedicated. I mean, to it, it, Mike, Mike Moore probably was one of the purest shooters that I've seen. Him and Dale Ellis was. Probably the prettiest shooters I've ever seen play or play with. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can oh, stroke yeah. it from anywhere, and it was just purity when they when they let it go. Uh, beautiful, dude. Hey, you know, you got me thinking about the other day. I was staring at this thing on YouTube, and I'm looking at it. You know, like I'm looking at something I'm not supposed to look at. And my wife walks by, and she's like, "What are you looking at?" I said, "Dude, there's a video here on Akeem uh, Olajuwon's footwork." <laughs> You know, I'm just sitting up here amazed at this dude's footwork. Cause, you know, he's been taking Carmelo and Dwight and a couple of these other guys and showing them some moves. I'm, you know, because I was a part of this, I'm still astonished by things of beauty. The dedication to Mark Moose and Dale and Brian to their craft of shooting. The, 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 mm-hmm. the, 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 the beautiful Frank Sinatra-like footwork, a dream out there. That's a thing of beauty. You appreciate that when you're immersed in it, you know, in that world. Yeah, you know, and that's what that's what a lot of a lot of the a lot of these young guys now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say this, I'm, I'm gonna piss a lot of people off, but I don't care. Uh-oh, a lot uh-oh. of these young kids don't understand the fundamentals of the game. 
They play the game very well, but they don't understand it and understand the fundamentals of the game. Back when we played, it was more about the fundamentals of the game. You know, you look, you look at like like you said, Dream. There is no big guy in the league right now that has the fundamentals of oh, Dream. Gosh, no. The oh, closest no. one I would say is Tim Duncan, but he didn't have the but he doesn't have the flair that Dream had with with, with the fundamentals as well. But yeah. there is you look you look at the shooting. There's no guards out there that shoot the ball like some of the guys did back in our era because of the fundamentals. Look at Reggie, Reggie you know, look at uh, Reggie, Reggie uh, from from the um, Pacers, Miller? Reggie Miller. You know, you look at um, you. Uh, um, I mean, it, I mean, you can go down the line, you know, and look at guys who sh- were shooters. There were more shooters in the league than anything else. It wasn't big guys trying to shoot it with guards who were just pure shooters. And now, you know, you struggle trying to find a shooter for a team nowadays. Everybody, you know, don't have, don't understand how to shoot the ball or, or how to get their shot off. They play, sure. and believe me, the athleticism of these guys now are, are a lot better. But as far as the fundamentals of understanding the game, it is not even close. Hey, hey Cliff Rez, uh, we just going to go right to the end of the show. we got about eight or nine minutes left, but... I want to get this question out, and I know you guys can help me. It's something I had struggled with back in the day, but I'm old, But a lot of players, that, can you guys talk about this? Like, when your career went, you become a formal player. It's kind of hard for players to accept that because they want to still be in that limelight where everybody knows you. Talk about how people can deal with that because that seems to be a problem with a lot of players, you know, nowadays. Well, you know what? I'm going to speak on that first because I – I can't, I don't I don't under, I didn't understand it. I mean, I, um, because when I retired, um, I was getting ready to go to training camp with the Nuggets, and I just woke up one morning and said, "You know, I had enough. I'm done," and I walked away from the game. So I don't, I don't never ha- I never had that feeling of wanting to hang on and hang on. When I when I was done, I was done with it. I respected the game enough to understand and love the game to understand. It's time to move on and let these young guys take over. So I never really had that, that, that feeling of not wanting to let it go. So I really can't speak on that. The only thing I can speak on is I love what the game did for me. I love what the game had brought, um, brought, brought, around, brought me around the world to see different things about people. And I love what the game has, has made, who made me who I am. I, I love that about the game and I respect the game enough to not want to disrespect the game, so I stepped away and walked away. Okay, with something similar. Uh, I mean, I stopped playing when I was in my early 30s, and I could have played another five or six years, but I had transitioned to a point in my life where, uh, you know, my family had, my kids were getting older, and I wanted to be a part of their life, so I had to make a decision then and there what I was going to focus on. Um, and I felt at that point in my life that, you know, I needed to step away from basketball and, and do something else. Uh, even though I could have played, you know, more years overseas, certainly. But I will say this. Gosh, there are some feelings that have been evoked and aroused in the game of basketball that I've never felt before. And Cliff may be able to attest to this. I mean, when you're in a, when you're in a game in the fourth quarter, last two minutes, 20,000 people standing up screaming, and 
the depending on you being the eighth seed or out of the playoffs depends on the end of the game. And you're in the game, you get fouled, go to the free throw line, 20,000 people screaming your name. That is a feeling that I have never, ever forgot. I have never forgot that feeling. Never, and, and, and uh, you know, I've never done drugs. I've never done drugs before. Uh, but I would imagine if drugs felt like that, that I'd be an addict. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, though, Reg, I'm going to tell you something. The, the part you miss is the camaraderie. And the competition. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's the part that I missed about it. And there was nothing that I've done, you know, from all the business I was in that, that filled that void. Only thing filled that void was when I got back on the court, I started coaching, and that filled that void. Not yep. to play no more, but just to match wits with that guy on the other side. That's the part that I love about it. The part of going to get up every morning, going to the gym, and seeing guys and working with guys, and seeing that light come on in some guy's head like they get it. That's the part that you really miss about, you know, basketball. With with me, that's what I miss about basketball. That's what I loved about basketball, well, this, and that's what this, kept this, me grounded. To add on to that point, it, because it's competition, and you're getting better and better because that guy that you're going up against is giving you his best, and you're giving you your you're giving your best. So eventually, that's going to set you on a higher plane of learning something about the game to get better. Uh, yes. And when you get into the real world uh, or the the world that non-professional people are in, I guess. I don't know how to phrase that. It's not quite like that. It's not quite to that competitive level. You know, I got I to gotta, um, chime on something that Cliff said just to say it, but I did a lot of football camp. And what you said, Cliff, was obviously guy too. People might get mad at me too, but they're not teaching me kids the fundamental. We learned the fundamental. We were coming up. So I definitely agree with you on that, Cliff. Definitely. Well, somebody didn't agree with what I said. I'm going to feel left out. <laughs> I, agree. I, I agree with you, Reg. I mean, it's like, you know what? But you know what? I, I think that the business world have their own kind of adrenaline um, rush than we did. You know, they're, uh-huh. they're, they're, I think their adrenaline rush would be more of I'm trying to be the next big thing in the office. You uh-huh. know, and, and I think that's what their drive is. I never got that when I was in the office because I felt that you know, hey, I can, you know, I can do that whenever. But, but just being matching wits against another person on the other side, that right there is another level. It's a whole mm-hmm. other level. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. It's, it's it's a big difference. You know that that level we have of com- competitiveness is is so so driven and so strong. It's hard to compete with it. Well, yeah, okay, because like doing? I said, like the example I gave is, you know, you're on the free throw line or you're about to take that shot or set that kick or whatever. That's 20,000 people just in that area. Forget about the mm-hmm. TV, the millions of people. I mean, you you are the star, the brightest thing ever for uh, if nothing but a few seconds. When you're in the corporate world or the business world, you'll do a big deal, but you're one amongst, gosh, thousands, millions. You know what I mean? And it, yeah, doing that big deal. It's, yep. It's not. It's not. It's microscopic. You don't have that microscope on you like that. You know. Cause, you know. You know. It's, it's a difference. There's a difference. Big okay, guys, we got to end the show. But I want to thank you again for being on. And Reggie, always, you know, you are the. And Cliff, Reggie, you're on once a month, so. You know, don't be afraid. Well, you know what, on. though? You can hit me up. Just, just, just give me a holler when you want me to, you know, okay. come on your show and we talk and everything. 
But I would, I would love to talk about this new NBA when you get a chance on one of these shows. This new NBA? What's so different? Yeah, I, yeah, I call yeah. it new NBA. Well, yeah, about. and to me, it's like it's like when we played, we went against men. Yeah. And now they're going against their peers because they're so young. Yeah. 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 We we definitely talk NBA, so we definitely have you on. Definitely. I'll get All right. Well, then just give me a holler anytime, okay. Mr. Lovings. I appreciate it. And Slater, yo, come on now, come on now, Hammer. <laughs> Come on, baby. Hey, we got to make sure we stay in touch. All right? Yeah, uh, when you get off the air, let me have your number, man. I'll give you mine. Okay, cool, cool. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks again, guys. Don't hang up. All right. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry, James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. 